Good morning again. Again, I apologize for my voice, and so I may just have to quit halfway through, and you all just have to figure out the rest of it. But it is good to be with you all this morning. I can't say that I've had this specific message on my heart for weeks, but it's been something that's kind of been gnawing at me that I couldn't quite put into words. And I picked out a title of The Road Less Traveled. As I began to think about what it's like to be a Christian, I worried just a little bit as I started this because we're going to talk about some of the harder requirements or callings might be the best way to say it that God expects of us as Christians, especially if we want to see Him do amazing things in our life. And yet I want to remind people that no matter how hard the road gets, it's always worth serving Christ. Even as we go through trials and tribulations, it's still worth serving Christ. As I see people going through all kinds of different things in the world around me, I wonder sometimes how they make it without Him. Because the truth is, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that all your problems are going to go away. Just because you love the Lord doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. But it means you never have to go through them alone. It means that you have a family of God around you. It means you have strength even in your weakness, because of Christ. And so this morning we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want us to think about some things first. I want us to think about what it means to be on the road less traveled. We often hear that. We think, well, I understand that. Or, you know, just where people don't usually go. And the truth is this. Reaching out past our own circle of friends. The people that we know and the people that we like... And stepping out of our comfort zone is sometimes the road less traveled. Because it's easy to reach out for those that we know. Sometimes it's harder to reach out to those that don't look like us or act like us or even talk like us. When I think about the road less traveled, I think about our calling as Christians to forgive. Not only one another, but those that have wronged us. And when the world sees that, to them, that looks like the road less traveled. They're amazed that people would even think that away. I think about our calling as Christians to be holy, to be faithful, to give of every part of our life. For many in the world today, that's the road less traveled. That's not what the world is used to seeing. And yet, as I put everything together this week, a more accurate term for our message might be the bumpy road. I found this little gift or gif, whichever way you say it. I'd have to ask someone younger than me. Sometimes that's what it feels like as we're on the straight and narrow, doesn't it? You think, man, everything's going well. I'm going on the straight and narrow, and yet we feel like that guy in the back of the truck. Like we're getting thrown around, tossed around. It feels difficult sometimes. And yet if I was to ask each and every one of us here, if I was to ask you to look into your heart, we all seek a greater moving of God among our congregation and our community. We all want to see God move in a great way among us. Are we willing to step out in faith, though? Are we willing to step forward and say, God, use me? It might even mean foregoing some of our own preferences, our own ways, the things that we're comfortable with. That can get a little bumpy sometimes. When I think about our desires here, 
We want to see souls saved. I could ask us to raise our hands, but I won't. But every single one of us here knows somebody that needs the Lord. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see God truly move. We want to see His Holy Spirit move among us in an amazing, wonderful, biblical way. And yet, I have to ask the question, are we willing to sacrifice not just our treasure, but our talents and our time? Because sometimes when we do that, the road gets kind of bumpy. It messes things up in our nice little compartmentalized life that we all have put together. We like everything to be neat and in order. My wife and I this week, we're both, we're, we're both the whole family's sick. And we just kind of let the house go. And it was just a disaster. And so I was complaining about the disaster. So she made me do it. <laughs> and I did. I finally just got tired of it and I fixed it because everything just didn't seem right in our life. I was like, I can't rest. There's just stuff everywhere. She said, well, it's your fault. We kept this clean while you were gone for two weeks. It's true. And yet sometimes we don't like a mess that comes into our life. And yet sometimes as we serve, it can get messy. It can get bumpy. It can be difficult. I know this congregation, we seek God's true purpose for us. We want to follow His calling. We want to see God do amazing things. And yet I have to ask the question, are we willing to be His hands and His feet? Are we willing to have a heart for those around us like Christ had a heart for those around Him? And are we willing to accept the persecution? And I kind of use that word loosely. But the tribulations that often come as we serve Him. Because sometimes the road can be kind of bumpy. Sometimes it can be kind of difficult. This morning, if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter number 6, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that as I was preparing this, I couldn't help but think I've shared part of this here before. I went back through my notes and I couldn't find any place that I had shared with this congregation this particular passage. But if I have, we're going to dig a little deeper this morning. We're going to dig a little deeper to a place that when you first see this, you go, wow, those guys are doing great things. And yet, just because we're doing great things from the Lord doesn't mean that we're not going to have trials. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficulties. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. This is the early church and there was probably no doubt already some persecution happening just a little bit at least. There were some problems and some struggles and there had already been some missteps by some of the early Christians or some of the people that were associating themselves and I invite you to go back and read a couple of those chapters. But it says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Doesn't that sound great? We already got this story starting off where things seem to be going really well. He said, man, and I shared in the earlier service that when I talk about the crowd at church, I'll say, well, we had a good crowd this morning or, or we were down a little bit in numbers or, you know, whatever it might be. But they said multiplied. I've never really got to use that word talking about church and the things that we do. But he said, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there were more and more and more people coming. And it sounds so great. It sounds so wonderful. Clearly, God was among them. And yet, clearly, we're going to see where something was wrong. It says, the disciples were multiplied. There arose a murmuring. Complaining started. 
Somebody came in and said, oh, we've got a problem. Oh, something's wrong. The more people, sometimes we end up with more problems that come in. And yet this seemed to be a problem that had some validity to it. We see here where the problem was there was a murmuring among the Grecians and against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And basically what was going on there was the, the Greek-speaking believers were upset with the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being left out of the food distribution. And widow at this time would have been someone who was truly destitute. This would have been someone who didn't have a husband, who didn't have a family, and this would have been reaching out to people who were on the, I don't want to say the margins of society, but someone who could not provide for themselves. And they were giving out food, and there was a complaint that says, hey, my family's not getting as much as their family is in church. That was the complaint, basically. And evidently there was some truth to that. And so they come and they, they share this problem that they have. And so they ask the disciples to come. And you can imagine everybody's going, man, I've got this problem. I've got this. You've got to take care of this. Verse number two says this. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. All the disciples he brought together are the, 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 the ones that were serving and doing this work. And he said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse number three says this. Wherefore, brethren... Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. One of the things that I want to point out was the disciples weren't saying, no, we're too good to serve tables. They're saying, we've got a different calling. We've got something that we've got to take care of. We've got to pay attention to the Word. We've got to be preaching the Word. We're the ones who have, have met and talked and walked with Jesus and said, we can't take our focus off of that. It didn't say there's anything wrong with serving tables because when you look at the people they chose, they chose people who were, in my opinion at least, overly qualified to serve tables. They weren't just some people that said, they didn't go out and say, we need some people to serve tables who have a really friendly personality. That's not what they asked for. They didn't say, we need people who can balance that, that tray up over their head really good. You know, I go to a restaurant now, I am amazed that they can carry what they can carry and not have it all over them. They hand me the plate and I about spill it on myself, just the one plate. And they come with a whole thing stacked up through here and drinks and, and they're balancing things. They didn't say, we need the person who is the best, most experienced table server. That's not what they looked for. They didn't say, we need somebody strong. They didn't say, we need somebody brave. They didn't say any of those things that we often think about. They asked for something that often we never consider. And there's a reason for that. Because when they were serving tables, in some ways the calling was for more than just serving tables. If you look at with me at verse number 3, if they'll put that back on the screen. This is what they were looking for. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Get some men you can trust. Get people who are organized, who will do the right thing. Get people who will be able to, to feed the needy. And yet they're going to find out there's more. It says, Seek ye out. Among ye seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Seek out men who are truly, faithfully serving God and whose life is filled in evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Get people who are doing God's will in everything that they're doing. It's here that we began to see that it's more than just serving tables. Because sometimes we forget that when we serve and help and reach out, it's more than just about those little things. It's about getting to something bigger. It's about reaching them for Christ. It's about truly showing the love of Christ. It's about shining the light of Christ in everything that we do. Get men that are full of the Holy Ghost. And get seven men who are wise. Talking about this and wisdom. There had already been problems. There had already been arguing. There had already been fussing. So get people who are wise who can take care of problems. These men were called to do something great. And it started with serving tables. And it says, whom we may appoint over this business. You pick them out, and we're going to sanction them, might be the right word to say. We're going we're to say, yes, that's the ones that we think we're going to lay hands on them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to lead and guide and direct them. So that's going to help. They had a great plan put in place. Verse number five goes on to say this. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. I could announce we're giving out free ice cream. And we'd be hard to please everybody, wouldn't it? My daughter would say, well, I'm lactose intolerant. Somebody else would say, Chris, I don't like chocolate. Somebody would say, what happened to the soft serve we used to have? And yet here, when they shared this story, the whole multitude... They pleased. Everybody was excited about this plan. And we're going to see where everybody was excited about the men that were chosen. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. That sounds like a guy overqualified to serve tables. And yeah, we're going to see where God had more in mind for him than just serving tables. He was called to go out and to preach the word. He was called. He went out and he did wonderful miracles and wonderful things as he was serving in this capacity. You see, oftentimes we think that when God gives us a job, it's not very important. Like, well, that doesn't really matter, or that's not really a big deal. And yet, when God gives you a job, it is the most important job you have, period. Because it's come from the Lord. If the Lord asks me to serve tables, then I want to be serving tables. If the Lord asks me to mow grass, then I want to be mowing grass. If the Lord asks me to stand up and sing a song, then I want to be singing. If you ask me to preach the word, then I want to preach the word. Because whatever God gives you to do, that is the most important thing. And we see here where this man, full of, of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, he was one that they picked. They also, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmeus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Can you imagine what an honor it would have been to have been chosen? Out of this whole multitude of disciples, these seven men were chosen by their peers. They had the support of the whole group. It's nice to have that. You know, when somebody gets together and we're like, we think you could do a great job at this, and I can imagine the excitement. It said everybody was excited. So they had the support of their peers, chosen by their peers. They had been chosen by the Lord in a great sense to go out and to do this work, to serve others. No doubt they were chosen because of their character. They were chosen because of their witness, because of their testimony. And the Bible says that the same pleased the whole multitude. Kind of like selling ice cream, isn't it? 
Someone once said, and I'm going to quote this wrong, and I'm not going to give the right person credit, but basically said, if you want to be popular, don't be a leader. Sell ice cream. I like that. It's nice to sell ice cream. I still, I shouldn't tell this, but I still get excited when I hear the ice cream truck coming. I do. The other day I was somewhere. I think I was in Israel, actually. And I think I heard what to me sounded like an ice cream truck. Now, it could have been selling goat meat for all I know. But I got excited. I was like, I hope it comes by here. Because it's exciting still. Even I'm 42 years old. And I was like, ooh, the ice cream truck's coming. And yet oftentimes serving is not that way. Oftentimes leading and helping and doing those things is not always popular. People don't always get excited about it. And yet these people here, these seven men enjoyed that. They enjoyed that trust that people put in them. They enjoyed that opportunity to serve and have everybody support them. Verse number 6 goes on to say this. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Just kind of giving their blessing in that. Verse number 7 says this. And I love this. And the word of God increased. Because the disciples, the first ones, they were still preaching the word. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. It wasn't just a few extra people were coming. You can see a church that was on fire for God. A church that was doing God's will. A church that was in one accord. A church that seemed to be serving. A church that seemed to be happy. Everything was going great. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Wow. Great things were going on. Even the religious people who had withstood them were excited. Things seemed to be going amazingly well. Good deeds, helping people, supporting one another, serving God, and increasing in number. And yet, if we read the rest of the story, in the very next chapter, I'm not talking about years later. It appears to be rather quickly. We find that Stephen's been out doing some good works. He's been out doing good deeds. And he's hauled before the religious people of the day. And they're persecuting him. Or planning to. We actually find in Acts chapter 7 and verse number 59, he was kind of standing before, making a speech before the religious crowd, the Sanhedrin, if I remember correctly. And at the end of that, here's what happens. This guy who was chosen by his fellow peers to serve widows, this guy who was out doing good, this guy who was seemingly blessed by God, watched over by God, and you'd think protected by God because he was doing great things. And they stoned Stephen. You know what stoning means? I often tell this every time we get here. Basically, you stand and throw rocks at somebody until they're dead. You stand and throw rocks at them. A crowd might gather around and throw rocks at you until you die. How did things go so wrong so quickly? When you step back and look at Stephen's life and what he was doing, 
He was a man who loved the Lord. He loved the Lord greatly. He had a testimony of somebody who was full of the Holy Ghost. He was a man who was out serving those in need. He was no doubt serving God, but he was also serving faithfully. Verse number 60, if you're going, I wanted to say something else about him. As they're throwing rocks at him, and he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice. I'd have been screaming. I'd have been terrified. I'd have been thinking about how do I get out of this? I'd have been thinking about why do I have to go through this? I'd have been thinking about this is not what I signed up for. I signed up to give food to widows. Yet I want you to see what he says. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or died. That's the word. It means died. This was a man that not only loved the Lord, but he had a love for the people who were throwing rocks at him to kill him. He had a love for those that not just had a physical need of food, but also those that had a, a spiritual need for God. This was a man who God was able to use in an amazing way, and you go, how in the world did this happen to him? Because sometimes the road's bumpy. When my wife and I, <clears throat> excuse me, first started dating and first started falling in love, we were really sweet. We held hands, kind of like this. I tell people we skipped through the tulips. It's like gumdrops and lollipops just everywhere. It was amazing and wonderful. It was fantastic, just, just smiling and, oh, we sure were in love. We still are, by the way. Yet I found out that life's not always like that. As we went through life, sometimes there were difficulties. Sometimes we probably made some, forward, some poor choices that cost us things. Sometimes other people made poor choices that cost us things. Everything wasn't easy. I was supposed to done be wealthy by now. We were going to have a couple of kids by now. We had all kinds of plans. Everything didn't turn out like I thought. And yet, I wish she was here to hear this because I don't often say great things about her. But I love her now more than I did 20 years ago. I do. And as the old song says, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. That's doubly true on my journey with Christ. Has it always been easy? No. Has it been worth every mile? Absolutely. And we see here where Stephen had that. After all that he was trying to do, when the hard times came, when they're throwing rocks at him, he didn't love his own life. He loved those that were lost. Those that needed God. Those that were in the wrong, if you will. You see, giving food to the needy should have been a safe job. I don't know what widows were like in the old days, but I tend to think about someone who is glad to get the help. I tend to think about someone who's not going to beat me up. 
When I go to the nursing home, I feel pretty safe. When I go to the hospital, I feel pretty safe. That should have been a safe job for him. Who doesn't like helping those people that are in need? And yet you see, the truth was, Stephen's calling was more than just about giving away food. His calling was to reach a lost and dying world for Christ. And I want to remind us that our calling is more than just about helping people. We are called to help people. And with God, little is much. It's a wonderful thing when we can reach out and help somebody. And yet I told in the earlier service, if I feed everybody in the world and I don't tell them about Jesus Christ, in the end I failed. Because what they really need is not one more meal. They need Jesus Christ. They need a Savior. And I'm the one that's called to go forward. Not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a Christian. Every one of us has that opportunity. It might not be feeding the widows and the poor and all those in need. It might be those in your family. It might be in your circle of friends. It might be in somebody who's had church hurt or who's struggling with something else. It could be even be an addiction or whatever it might be. It could be all kinds of things, and yet God's placed you in your little light. We used to sing that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Going to Let It Shine. We could probably sing that more often as a good reminder of what God has called each and every one of us to do. Church, truly helping people with what they need rarely looks like giving away ice cream. Oftentimes, it can be messy. It can be hard work. It can even be heartbreaking. It can be bumpy. And yet, and I want to leave you with this question, what would you give to see a lost person in your family saved? You say, Chris, I'd give everything. I'd give my, not only my treasure, I'd give my time and my talent. I'd give it all to see them come to Christ. What would you give to see my family saved? What about the one down the road, across the street? What would you give to see them saved? How much time are we willing to give up? How much of our talent are we willing to give up? How much of our treasure are we willing to give to the work of the Lord? To see the kingdom of God grow. I really want to see this church grow. But it's more important to see the kingdom of God grow. It's important to see people come to Jesus Christ. The world has a need for Christ. And we have been called to be that shining light. As we get ready to get a song, I have, I guess, one statement I want to make or a question I want to ask. Are we willing to make the investment? Are we willing to go forward? Are we willing to let God use us? Stephen's journey started out helping somebody in need in a very small way, maybe. He's helping widows. It ended up costing him his life. And yet his final prayer was, Lord, don't lay this to their charge. That's a love for people. That's a true love for people in need. And I'm not talking about always material needs, but spiritual needs. And you know what? Sometimes when we reach out 
It can get messy. It can get bumpy. It can be difficult. And yet, to win one soul for Jesus Christ, church will be worth everything that we do here. And yet, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm greedy. I hope that's the right word to use. I want to see more than one. I want to see ten. I want to see a hundred. I want to see a thousand. We serve a big God who can do big things. And sometimes he just asks us to take one small step in his direction. Are we willing to go as we get a verse of song? If you have a need, will you come?